Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Labs, I'm sitting here in the studio, and to my right, I've got the Gospel According to Tomlin. That's right. The first depth chart has been released, and i got to be honest with you, it's pretty refreshing to know who the starters are going to be for Week 1 against San Francisco as we sit here on August 8th. It's rare. I don't know if a lot of other teams in the NFL have that luxury, but we do. This is like Moses writing into stone the commandments. None of this can change, and that's now two religious references I've made in the opening. Wolf, eat your heart out. But, yeah, Labs, I mean, obviously there will be no moving and shaking. This is the starting lineup. Or not. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, good good uh, reference there with Stone Tablets because, uh, <laughs> you know, you, if you've ever seen the movie uh, History of the World with Mel Brooks, uh, when he's playing Moses coming down, the uh, tablets <laughs> originally were three stones. Um, there were um, 15, yes, five on correct. each of Right, and... Um, he trips and falls and one breaks. So, um, as 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 Moses um, shows us, according to Mel Brooks, Brooks anyway, uh, the the commandments change. Things etched in stone <laughs> do sometimes change, and uh, nothing could be more true than with a uh, Mike Tomlin uh, training camp depth chart. So, yeah, I mean it's interesting. Uh, there there are, you know, I looked it over just really quickly uh, when it was. When it came out, because you know I've been a part of these depth charts now for a long time, and if I had to pick two things, and I won't say surprised, but um, a little different, a little out of the ordinary, um, left guard, um, there is there is an incumbent starter still on the team, that being Kevin Dotson, and my experience, or if someone would have said to me, who's going to be the starting left guard? Uh, on the initial training camp depth chart, I would have said Kevin Dotson because he was the starter last year, even though we all know that Isaac Ciamalo is uh, having a great camp, and I would bet anything you want to bet that he will be the starting left guard uh, against the 49ers on September the 11th. But um, Ciamalo is, in fact, listed ahead of Dotson, so that surprised me a little bit. Uh, the only other one, uh, Calvin Austin, being listed as the first kick returner, both kickoff returns and punt returns over Gunnar Olszewski, again, um, a returning uh, player who had the job at least for a while uh, last year. So, you know, those are they're two slightly different uh, things. And I guess maybe if if we want to blow this out of proportion, which I guess that's our job you here, have to, eight to yeah, nine every day, it is it not? Okay, okay. Um, maybe that signifies a change there, you know, at return uh, specialist as well. So new left guard, new specialist, uh, write it down for your um, pre-San Francisco 49ers, (laughs) whatever, uh, because 
as Tom just said, it is in stone. Well, we've talked about the rookies a lot during the training camp report in the past couple of weeks, and rightfully so. A lot of people have uh, their attention trained towards them, but you know, kind of following in step with how this is traditionally done, no rookies higher than second string so far on the initial depth chart. Joey Porter Jr. and Broderick Jones have that second string distinction, and everybody else is down on that third string level, and you know, we joke around, oh, it's set in stone, this is the lineup, but this is how the Steelers operate when it comes to their rookies. They they kind of want to let them see that and use that as a bit of an extra motivating factor for them. No, nothing is handed to you here. Yeah, and, you know, Broderick Jones was even talking about that a little bit uh, in terms of his upbringing in the sport. You know, Broderick Jones left uh, high school. I believe he was a five-star prospect. You know, you know how those high school kids get rated stars, yeah, right. you know, as they're through their recruitment. So he was a five-star prospect. I don't know. One recruiting service had him rated as the best offensive lineman in the country when he signed um, his letter of intent with Georgia. Okay, so he goes to Georgia, and, I mean, there's people ahead of him on the depth chart. So, you know, it's it's. I think that it's a good – uh, way to do things uh, in the in the sense that, as you just mentioned, you don't want a new guy, a rookie, or a freshman, depending on when we're talking whether we're talking about an NFL or college football, to think something's going to be handed to him just because he has some pretty nice press clippings. Um, I do believe um, Devin Bush was listed first team. Okay. Uh, maybe you know. I do believe. I I could be wrong. But that's my recollection of it at this point. And off the top of my head, I can't think of another um, another rookie who was who got that designation. Uh, again, I'm not. Maybe I'm not I'm saying. I'm trying to def- think too. Maybe Najee. I, I just don't know who the running back would have been in front of him that they would have put there. I know Najee was yeah. the starter come the season, but I don't know about the first depth chart. Yeah, I don't even know if – well, I, I'm pretty sure Marquise Pouncey was not listed. He wasn't, yeah. First. Um, it was Hartwig, right? Th- right. Um, to me, uh, uh, Marquise Pouncey is the ultimate, under the Mike Tomlin era anyway, of a rookie coming in and just taking over a position. I think Pouncey was the starting center within a fortnight, which is 14 days. Just wanted to – you know, Make sure we let everybody know we know what a Fortnite is. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> sorry, I got a little smart aleck in me this early in the morning. <laughs> Actually, all the time. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna say, I, why would this morning be any different? <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's that's how the depth chart is usually assembled, uh, and with the exception of those two things that I just mentioned, uh, I think I'm gonna put this together myself. <laughs> Well, the man who put it together, Coach Tomlin, spoke to the media following practice on Sunday. There was no practice yesterday, so let's take a listen to what Coach had to say following the Steelers' padless practice at St. Vincent College on Sunday afternoon. Another good day for work um, today. One of the major coaching points for today is attire cannot dictate approach or attitude or professionalism. We've had a couple of days um, in pads, and that automatically brings a certain level of urgency. Um, we got to maintain that level of urgency even when we're not in pads. It's really kind of indicative of the season. 
Uh, we don't carry pads all the time during the season, regardless of attire. We got to come out here and be focused on the work. And so we talked about that today, um, but also leading up into an off day, um, being able to display singular focus and being where we are and being productive uh, on the front side of things. And hopefully, again, we'll talk about it on the back side when we come off the off day. Uh, examples of some of the you know, things that aren't necessarily on the surface level that, that you have an opportunity to focus on in an environment like this when you're working. Um, we got a number of guys out due to injury. We've kind of outlined. I've also given some guys off today. Um, you know how I feel about, about the off days. It's not necessarily about them. It's about the increased opportunity of those that are working, whether it's more reps to learn and or show what they're capable of uh, or more reps to develop and show conditioning. And so um, excited about the work. We'll analyze it and take advantage of the off day and roll the ball out next week. We've got a big week next week. Uh, we'll be carrying this group into a stadium, and so we respect that. We got a lot of work ahead of us. I'll pause and open it up for questions. Anything new on the injury front? Um, Trey Norwood um, had a lower leg injury of some kind that needs to be evaluated tonight. Um, that's that's the new one that occurred in practice. Some of the guys that have been out, you see levels of activity in terms of working their way way back. Uh, KZ. Um, Keanu O'Neill, um, Jamarcus Bradley's got a minor hamstring that happened yesterday. I don't know if I outlined that. Um, other guys are kind of day-to-day. Um, it's that time of year with day-to-day like injuries, and so I won't make a big deal out of it. Anyone else? Like early impressions of what you've seen from Calvin Austin in his second year. I know he didn't get much as rookie. You know, I, I've been challenging him, and the, the big challenge for him is, is you know, to, to, to perform out here in a setting like this like a guy that's been around here. Um, he's been around here, but he hadn't had physical reps, and so there's a challenge. Um, so far, so good. He's not performing like a rookie. He's performing like a guy that's been in the program, and that's encouraging. Like you challenged Darnell Washington a lot. How have you found him? How has he found his level of coachability? Very coachable, uh, very competitive, um, likes to work. Uh, it's been good reviews in that regard. Mike, you had a little bit of a punt off today. What do you like about the competition between those guys? Man, we punt off every day that we punt. Um, we got two NFL established capable guys. Um, I kid them because they're both Ray Guy award winners. Um, you know, so it's fun to watch those guys pit their, their skills against one another. But really, it's a man versus himself a battle. Um, the ability to show consistency, the ability to directional punt the way that we desire, uh, the ability to situational punt, red zone punting, uh, touchbacks are catastrophic analytically, for example. And so uh, those are some of the ways that we're challenging those guys, and we will continue. Has Presley shown that he's developed and gotten better in this camp than one's other ones you've seen him? Very early in that regard, but he's been continually improving since the day we got him. Defense had a good day in seven shots and got two red zone stops in the two minutes. Something that you liked about the way they were playing in, those, in that goal line area? You know, that's, that's, that's the overriding purpose of seven shots, to be quite honest with you, to be able to apply it um, to other circumstances and, and keep a point total down. And, and so, you know, we spent a lot of time in that area of the field trying to familiarize ourselves with calls down there and, 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 and be in position to execute. Uh, things happen quickly down there, and it was a good day for them in that regard. guy like Nate Herbert who can play two positions. How's he, what's he showing you as a center? You know, I don't know that I have any, um, you know, any significant impressions thus far. I appreciate his versatility. I appreciate his experience. That's why he's here. It's Coach Tomlin speaking to the media following Sunday's practice. And Labs, at the beginning, I like how he mentioned, you know, 
just because the pads aren't on, you still need to have that same level of intensity. You still have to have that same drive. And it makes me think, you know, training camp, it's about practicing actual football, but it's also about practicing the scenarios that you have yourself in during the regular season. Friday Night Lights was like that. You know, it's a night game now. You're not always playing on Sunday at 1. You have to adapt to that. How do you keep your body rested when you have to play at night instead of in the afternoon? And with this, I think it's kind of the same way because what do you got? You got 14 padded practices that you can utilize during the season. And most of the time you're going to be padless, but you have to continue to have the energy that's going to, you know, bear fruit and be productive for the game on Sunday. So, you know, two padded practices in a row, Friday night lights, then the Saturday practice, then you go padless on Sunday before your day off. I think it's a good way for the coaches to kind of see, you know, is anybody going to kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit here with that day off on the horizon and the pads off? Yeah, and, you know, I I like how Mike Tomlin also kind of – um, weaves a story around the decision, so so as to make it uh, when you know when he talks to the team about it, uh, especially a lot of the young players, um, you know you you clarify that just because there are no pads on um, doesn't mean that this is a, a you know quote unquote day off, right? Um, and because you know hey, it, it, you know it's human nature. Um, to to just uh, ex- exhale and think, uh, you know, okay, this is going to be an easy day today. Um, you know, it's like when uh, I wake up and we don't have to do a show. I think uh, I can sleep in today. Or, I was going to uh, say, I it's can, like you know. when we get to the last segment of every hour. It's like, uh, this is it, only one more segment to go. <laughs> um, but, you know, you still have to be productive. And there are things that uh, that that are being worked on. And then those things are videoed and then therefore they are evaluated. And so you are evaluated. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just trying to keep everyone's focus and, you know, the way you do that, I think with, you know, football players, a football team is to try and bring it home to, you know, how this applies to your job, um, in, in terms of what you're going to face in the future. You know, I, I think that that's, um, you know, a good way to do it. it I think it keeps everyone interested. Uh, it makes sense, uh, you know, and I think that when, you know, you explain um, to your employees, you know, it's a way of explaining this as a, just a regular job, why you're doing something and it makes sense to them, then I think they're much more likely to embrace it and go with, uh, go with that and, and, and work to deliver the kind of effort or results that you're looking for. And, um, you know, I've always believed that being a head coach in an NF, being a head coach in the NFL, uh, there's some psychology involved, you know. Uh, and I think this this is one of the examples of it. you got to uh, explain to people a little bit uh, what you're doing, why. And I think that then the, the ones that you really want to maintain, to keep, they will understand and accept it and, and, you know, embrace the challenge and, you know, perform in the way that you're looking for them to perform. Tomlin also mentioned the punt off that happened during practice. They do that every time they do punting. And I know a lot of people don't care about this position battle out there. It's the one that's probably at the bottom of the totem pole for fans. But I guarantee you, Danny Smith, I guarantee you, Coach Tomlin care deeply about this position battle. And 
Presley Harvin has kind of gotten a public enemy number one vibe to him. People around the city do not like him very much. Labs, you and I were out there at OTAs and mini camps. We, this guy can punt. This guy's got talent. Like Tomlin mentioned, he won a Ray Guy Award. And now he's got another Ray Guy Award winner, an established pro and Braden Mann in camp with him. I just like the fact that he's got someone to push him this year. I, not that he hadn't in the past, but I think more so this year than others. Yeah, and I mean, and I've I've talked about this previously. You know, the way that uh, the Steelers want their punters to perform, uh, I think, is a little bit different than maybe some other teams, uh, because just booming the ball uh, doesn't get it done here. It just doesn't, and they're very, very, very uh, interested and uh, rather strict about the fact that um, you have to directional punt. Yep. Uh, because that they set up their uh, coverage based on the way that the directional punting, you know, is called. And so, you know, last year the Steelers ranked second in the NFL in number of punts returned and average yards per return. So, you know, that says uh, a lot about the kind of year Presley Harvin had. And, um, you know, I, I just think that, I don't disagree with you in your evaluation that um, a lot of fans uh, want something better, want, want something different from him. You know, they want to just, you know, kick it 70 yards every time. You know, that they think that that's, you know, the, the way to go. Why can't you be uh, Pat McAfee? That's what they probably end up saying. Why can't you be one of these punters? Well, you know, um, and, you know, I did uh, chart the uh, punt off oh, on Sunday. Oh, did you? Very nice. Like a man keeping score uh, in a baseball game. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the, for that particular period, I mean, it was high. Clearly, the um, it had everybody's attention. I mean, you, when, when you're watching practice, you know, a good rule of thumb is if you want to know what's important, look for the coach wearing all black, wearing <laughs> the white baseball cap. That's the guy, and he's usually at, in in the place where, you know. I won't say the most important thing or the only important thing, but certainly an area of focus at, at that particular point in time. And Mike Tolman was there, you know, watching the punt off. And, you know, a Braden Mann is no slouch. Yep. Let me say that. He is he is a good punter. Um, I, I, I would, if I was asked to predict, uh, Presley Harvin is going to win the job uh, and Braden Mann will get picked up by some team because, you know, he is good enough to punt in, excuse me, punt in the NFL. So, um, you know, it was pretty close in terms of the yardage per kick, but Presley Harvin's kicks were much closer to the sideline. You know, Braden Mann had a couple that were a, a little bit more towards the middle of the field, and knowing how the Steelers operate, I, in my head, judged that one as not good enough, even if it was a little bit right. longer or whatever, you know, and Presley Harvin, for the most part, his punts were between the numbers, because the numbers are painted uh, on the grass, the numbers and the sideline. That, to me, is the sweet spot. Uh, and he actually had one that hit the sideline out of bounds 56 yards um, from the line of scrimmage. So, you know, uh, I would give the slight edge to Presley Harvin in this punt off. Uh, I would give him the slight edge in terms of um, who's going to win the job. 
but uh, it is a competition, and Braden Mann is not a guy, um, you know, who's just a camp leg. He is much more than that. And people need to remember when it comes to this position battle, it's not just about punting. A lot of it has to do with holding the ball for Chris Boswell. What is Boswell comfortable with? And we've heard for the past couple of years that Harfin really excels at that aspect. Yeah, he's good at it, and he's good at it in weather, um, inclement weather. They experience and some I, of that I, at Acrisure Stadium, don't they? And they experience some of that in Baltimore and <laughs> those, those other AFC North uh, road cities because, you know, there is winter in the Northeast. Um, and one of the things that I have seen happen at practice when they're working on um, placement kicks, <laughs> I have seen Danny Smith. You know, and he's he's a he's a nut in the first place, but I say that with all love and respect. But he's out there. You know, the the um, water buffaloes they call them that the trainers wheel around. They're the things you know where you you pump them up, and then there's a hose right. that comes out, and you hit the thing, and you drink water out of it. So Danny Smith will take one of those water buffaloes, and he will stand over last because this was last year. Christian Coons, who is the center, and they put the ball down. And Danny Smith takes one of those tubes and just squirts it with water. You know, three, four, five. Okay, now do it. That like that. So you know those, and they're K balls. Okay. Now just to explain to the listeners, you know, they, it's not the kind of footballs that are used in college that are worn and maybe a little softer. You know, they're like it's like punting a beach ball sometimes, or right. you know, and they go far and kick far and all that stuff. Okay, you come to the NFL, they use K balls. They're used specifically and only for kicking plays. And these footballs are shipped that well, they are shipped specifically. They're new too. They're shipped specifically to the game referee and delivered to the referee's locker room for the game that day in a sealed container. Okay, the referee will open them that morning of the game, just look them over, and then that's it. They're not rubbed on. They're not any of that stuff. So when you get a new football, you know, it, it's a little, I won't say slimy, but it's new. It has that sheen yeah. on it, you know, and that's a K-ball. That's it. That's what you have to work with for every punt, every kickoff, every uh, field goal or extra point attempt. It's a K-ball. Now, there are some of them, so, I mean, it's not a new, brand new one for every one, so over the, but they're rotated. I don't know, I think you have a dozen, and I don't know how many placement kicks there are over the course of a game, but you'll see the guy standing on the sideline during a game, you know, and he's got a little bag of footballs, and the guy with the kicking footballs has a big K on his chest. So when it's a, when it's a, when it's a special teams play or a kicking play, you'll see the referee go over the guy with the K on his chest, and he gets a football. So, you know, these are things that, you know, these guys have to deal with. Um, there was a famous replay. It was a uh, Dallas, I believe it was Seattle, playoff game. And when Tony Romo fumbled the extra uh, point, the snap. It's one of my favorite okay. highlights ever. <laughs> well, you know, when you watch it, there, there were several um, um, angles of it. But the one that was really telling to me was it was down close you could see how shiny the ball was. Mm -hmm. And so when it hit his hands, it, you know, it slips out of his hands. If you're not really prepared for that. Yeah, he's been taking snaps with normal balls all game long at the right. quarterback position. 
Yeah. I mean, and those, those were only used so much too. So it's not like, you know, they're, they're like college balls or anything, but, um, still they're not K balls and, and adjusting to that, you know, is a, is a significant part, I believe of becoming a place kicker or punter in the NFL. And I think that that's one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of rookies winning that job as rookies. You know, you'll see guys, um, oftentimes, uh, win tryouts and stuff, but it's usually not their very rookie season in the NFL because, you know, the adjustment to those balls can be significant and often is. Calvin Austin is a second-year player for the Steelers, but in a lot of ways he's kind of like a bonus rookie. You heard Mike Tomlin talk about how impressive he has been in his second year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll get into him on the other side of the break, and we also will hear from the man himself. Calvin Austin stopped by to chat with Craig Wolfley and Mike Perzuta after practice on Sunday. That's all on the way next. You're listening to the Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. I mentioned Calvin Austin is kind of that bonus rookie heading into this year, Labs. Uh, there's really no such thing as a bonus, bonus rookie. He's a second-year player. He was with the team all of last year, but didn't get to see the field. Was injured during this process last year at training camp, much like Corey Trice was on the defensive side of the ball this year, went to IR was not eligible to return, but he's in the fold this year now, and it looks like he made the most of his time, you know, being around the team, absorbing what he could from the sidelines, because he's really hit the ground running in this training camp session, especially in practices of late. Yeah, he has been looking really good lately. Um, not that he was looking poorly early, but um, I, I really think he's, you know, I don't know if he just feels more comfortable or, you know, whatever the reason might be. I don't want to speculate. Um, but Calvin Austin really has a burst uh, that is clearly visible, in my opinion, to people watching practice like me. Um, you know, I don't I never put a stopwatch on him. I don't know where he would rank if if we did do that, what his time speed is, any of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but the things that, you know, I can see. Or there are times when, you know, he runs by defensive backs. Um, or when when they're working on special teams, you know, there are no 
there is no tackling, even in padded practices on special teams. But, you know, Calvin Austin, when he, you know, catches a punt uh, and starts returning it, he has burst. He has an ability to get, you know, if, if it, there are a couple of uh, coverage guys kind of converging on the spot where they're going to meet him, uh, I have seen him be able to beat them to that spot and get through it. Now, again, if it was a tackling thing, maybe somebody dives at his legs and trips him up. I'm not saying he's going to be returning all these for touchdowns. But the point I'm making is they're all NFL caliber players out there, and he has a burst that is uh, visible even among some of the fast guys out there. Calvin Austin stopped by and chatted with Mike Prezuda and Craig Wolfley following practice on Sunday. Let's take a listen to what the wide receiver had to say. Calvin, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time here. And the first question I have for you is, it looks like for a little while now you've been really starting to find it and feel it. Uh, When the shoulder pads came on, did you get faster or did everybody else get slower? (laughs) Uh, I think I still – I think I got a little faster. Um – you know, that's one thing. It's kind of funny. People be like, that's when we'll be able to, you know, I'm a small guy. So they say when the shoulder pads come on, that's when we will tell. But it's like, you know, I'm a football player. So when the shoulder pads come on, that's when I get better too. Kelvin, how much did you anticipate this camp? There were so much expectations. And I know as a young man, 43 years ago, I was a young man on that field in my rookie year. That's a long time ago. I got you. But 40, 43 years ago, I couldn't wait to get on the field. So for you, coming into this camp, how excited were you to participate? I was super excited. You know, I was just so blessed to be healthy and just to come to have a successful OTAs that, you know, I was kind of itching to get back to camp because, you know, going into last year, obviously I didn't expect to have an injury. So um, camp was kind of cut short. So so coming to this camp, I was just, you know, prepared mentally and physically. So, you know, I was just ready to go out there and, and show what I can do and show that I was healthy. Calvin, you had talked in the springtime during the OTAs about how you didn't really perceive yourself to be a rookie this time around, even though you missed your rookie season because of injury, you were emphasizing to us how you were around, you were in the meetings, you were paying attention, you were learning. Uh, What is, where, excuse me, is what you did last year showing up on the field this year, even though you didn't play last year? Um, I think in all aspects of the game, you know, it's just from like simple things as far as like running the seam route. You know, some people would think that's just simple. Okay, just run straight up the hash and stuff like that. But, you know, it's things to it. You got to read the defense, know what to do. And it was simple things like when I got to camp, you know, last year, I was trying to fix up, clean up how to run the seam route. Now I'm going to the, you know, the XYZ. I'm just not starting with the the ABC is the thing. So it's just I'm, I'm so much more mentally prepared coming to this camp as far as reading defenses, knowing the plays. And since I do have this coming into this second year, I can be moved around a lot more and can be used in a variety of ways. Kelvin, what's your go-to to beat the press at the line of scrimmage? Smaller guys, a little more difficult. You got some long-length cornerbacks that you got to deal with. So what's your go-to? Um, definitely, you know, my, um, speed, you know, so my speed, my, my speed release is definitely my go-to, um, it's what the defense fears, so, you know, I usually do that one to set up my, uh, my other counter releases, and then from then on, it's like, I, I'm in control, so once I let that DB feel, feel my speed, then I, I'm in control <laughs> of the whole game, and from then on, I can, you know, hesitate them, but, you know, I'm still learning a whole lot about releases and stuff, you know, Deontay and Allen are constantly on me about, you know, 
um, changing it up and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm still growing in that area as well. So it's great to have um, vets like that and, you know, um, release specialists like that to be um, on our team to, ha to help me out. Mm -hmm. Calvin, uh, two-minute drill to, to wrap up practice today and the first group with Kenny Pickett at quarterback uh, was officially, I guess, stopped at the one-yard line. But uh, I saw what I thought would have been a 45-yard touchdown pass to Cody White. It was ruled uh, by somebody down there to be stopped at the four-yard <laughs> line. And then I saw Kenny Pickett on a, a scramble keeper up the middle. I thought that might have been 6-2, and that was ruled down at the one. In, in the unbiased opinion of an offensive player, were either one of those two plays touchdowns? Almost definitely. The one that Cody, I know, I know my boy Cody was going to get in. And, you know, one thing about Kenny, Kenny a dog. So in that situation, I know he's he going to either dive or, but I, if I trust, you know, we at the three, four yard line, whatever it was, and Kenny's scrambling, I'm going to take my bet on Kenny. Calvin, overall, how do you see this passing game kind of amping up? I mean, with Kenny getting all the reps now and you guys out there, uh, you know, with the ones and so forth, how, how, do, you, how do you perceive he's progressing? Um, I think he's progressing nice. I think we're all just coming together. Um, I just feel like we've had so many just these three pass practices. We have so many more explosive plays down the field. And, you know, I think it's just, you know, a good, you know, cadence to what's going to be coming um, here in the future, you know, um, getting the ball down the field, trying to get those big plays. And, you know, you can definitely tell that the, the chemistry is constantly developing. And I think we're, you know, we're almost there. We have plenty of work to do. But, you know, we can definitely feel that, you know, those chunk plays are, are being made. Calvin, last thing I have for you, uh, based on what you went through last year, is, is anybody enjoying this more? Is anybody down there having more fun than you? Oh, uh, you know, it's, we're all having fun, you know. But, man, I'm just like, I say it all the time, but I'm just like, God bless me with health, and I'm just like super happy, excited to be out here. Like, I haven't played actually football in what, like, two years, a year and a half, whatever it is, but I'm just, like, so thankful to be out here and, like, you know, Lord willing, I cannot wait to, you know, it to be my first time to step on the field and put on that um, black and gold. Calvin Austin speaking to Mike Prezuta and Craig Wolfley following Sunday's practice. You can hear the excitement in his voice laps to finally be out there. I'm sure that was a really long rookie year that he had to go through injured. But you did hear him mention that veteran influence again. You know, we've talked about that when it comes to Darnell Washington and George Pickens. You know, uh, Prezuta asked him about his get off. You know, how, what, is he drawing from other people? And he said, yeah, Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson always telling me, you know, you can't just be speed guy off the line. You got to change it up. You got to, you know, mix in a different move here and there to be effective. So, I love hearing all these young guys speak so glowingly about how these veterans are treating them because I know everybody wants to say or think out there that, oh, you're a team. It's an open book. All of my knowledge is yours. That ain't the case all the time, and it seems to me like it's pretty much the case all the time here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, you you, you certainly have situations, uh, you, and you look at – let me say this. I look at it from both sides of that. You know, we can look at it as – look at it as a good thing that the veterans are willing to share what they know with the young guys. But then it's also good that the young guys are willing to listen because, you know, that, that, that to me is an important part of it as well. And, you know, I do think that, you know, to some degree, um, listening to your peers uh, is easier than listening to a coach. You know, again, it's like the difference between 
um, a parent and a big brother, maybe. Um, you know, your parents tell you to do something, and uh, you know, but <laughs> someone, one of your peers, tells you, and you think, oh, okay, you know, this. Thanks for the tip. Um, and so that's these are the kinds of things that I think that are at work, you know, in that particular dynamic. And uh, it, I think it has value, or it speaks well uh, to either side of that exchange. As I said, you know, the veterans, it's nice that they're, you know, engaged and uh, so uh, dedicated to the concept of team and, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link, that kind of, all of those cliches. And then also the young people who are open and willing to accept this kind of guidance uh, in addition to the kind of coaching that they're getting. And, you know, hopefully the combination of that, you know, makes them better uh, than they would have been otherwise. Steelers underwent seven shots. They underwent a two-minute drill on Sunday's practice. We'll update you on the results of both of those sessions, and we'll also take a look at what this week might look like as a game is right on the horizon. That's all on the way next. You're listening to the Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. The highlights of camp practice on Sunday, as usually are the highlights of every camp practice, are the drill seven shots and a two-minute drill made its appearance as well. We're hoping that the offense can kind of start clicking, kind of start getting some results in these drills, but Labs, in both cases yesterday, seven shots and the two-minute drills, the defense came up on top yet again. This is a disturbing trend almost that continues throughout camp. Well, yeah, in the case of, of seven shots, I, I would uh, agree with you that the defense prevailed, um, and I have uh, said already that you know I would like to see a little bit more you know, efficiency by the offense in that situation. Uh, however, in that interview with Calvin Austin, you know, Mike Pursuta asked him about the two-minute drill situation, and there were the two plays, uh, the, the long pass to Cody White, and then it looked like Kenny Pickett, uh, you know, would have gotten the ball into the end zone running it, but Mike Tomlin, serving as the official official uh, of the drill, you know, <clears throat> ruled both of those plays short. I think it, I do think it was in an effort, you know, to put the defense in a bad spot and to, um, you know, see how they would react to that. Uh, so, you know, I would be a little bit more, you know, lenient in judging the offense in the two-minute drill portion of the, um, uh, the day's work, uh, and especially because there were situations goal-to-go situations where it seemed like the offense was kept out of the end zone, but, you know, were they really? Um, so, you know, it's good practice, uh, as Mike Tomlin said, after the uh, first uh, installment of two-minute when the NFL officials were there and they blew um, Darnell Washington down short of the end zone, uh, Mike Tomlin's quote was, uh, some people make suggestions, other people make decisions. I decided he got into the end zone. <laughs> so I think that, you know, there's always something else maybe at play than, you know, the specific um, ruled outcome of a practice drill uh, up here at St. Vincent College. And, uh, you know, it, we were talking before about needing to get the work done regardless of whether they're wearing pads or not. 
Uh, I think that there's also some instances where, you know, the head coach will decide that there's more work needed to be done regardless of how um, later the the segment or the play, you know, or the uh, instance might be judged on video and then maybe presented to the team or to the units of the team within meetings. Um, but getting back to the two, uh, excuse me, seven shots, um, you know, it started out again good for the offense. Kenny Pickett, uh, first two snaps, Cody White for a touchdown, uh, and then he scrambled into the end zone on the next play for a touchdown. Now, that one was allowed. The one later in the practice was not. You know, you you explained to me the difference. I can't. Um, but the next two Tomlin uh, made the throws, decision, Labs. That's the, that's right, the exa- difference. He's well, the exactly. decision maker. And, and, hey, let me tell you something. In games, that's the same way. You know, you tell me the difference between this play and that play, why um, Jesse James is – uh, was not a touchdown, and one that followed in that Super Bowl was. Same play to me, but yeah, you're right. Somebody made the decision, and then that's what it is. So anyway, uh, but then the next two plays, he uh, pick a three incomplete. He missed uh, Pickens on a throw over the middle, and then was high in a pass to Calvin Austin the third. But, you know, it looked to me, too, maybe Pick was just throwing the ball away. Okay. Because Austin seemed to be in pretty tight coverage. Uh, Pickett had surveyed the field. That was where the ball was supposed to go. And if that's how it was judged then later, you know, in the evaluation process, good for him because you don't want to try to stick a throw in there in a drill in training camp and have it intercepted uh, and then maybe, you know, do the same, you know, bad habits are, are formed. You don't want those to ever bubble to the surface in a situation like a game situation. Um, but Mitch Trubisky came on uh, after the 2-2, uh, and he stuck one into Darnell Washington. Uh, and then this is the kind of thing that I won't say uh, honks me off, but it's a little bit disconcerting. Miles <laughs> um, Boykin uh, was throwing the ball, uh, a pass, hit him in the hands, but he didn't control it all the way to the ground. You know, you gotta you gotta complete the catch in that situation. Um, then the next play, the the uh, seventh game of the World Series, so to speak, uh, another pass went to Boykin. Uh, it was a little bit low. Okay, it wasn't perfectly thrown, but in my mind, I'm you know I'm judging it from a million miles away through the binoculars. Uh, I thought it was catchable. Um, he's he's an NFL receiver. Yeah. You know, that's your job. Um, but he didn't make the play, and so the defense wins four to three. Now, if either one of those last two is successful, um, you know we're looking at this drill totally differently. And those are the kinds of instances that I think that need to be cleaned up a little bit because there was nothing wrong with the play call. Uh, the execution was pretty much as good as it has to be. Uh, the decision that the quarterback made was was the right one. Uh, the ball was. They're good enough that, you know, the receiver needs to make the play and didn't. So, you know, those are the things that are annoying in training camp, but might be killers, might be killers once you get to the regular season. Yeah, those self-inflicted wounds, you kind of saw that in a way in the two-minute drill as well as Trubisky had a chance to get in the end zone for the offense at the end of his session. 
And as you noted in your practice report, he was decisive. He delivered a pass to Darnell Washington, who was beginning to cut across the middle of the field. You thought from your view in the press box at Chuck Knoll Field that this had a chance to succeed, but it rains a little bit up in Latrobe from time to time, and that grass was a little slippery, and unfortunately Washington lost his grip. Yeah, and the rain happened. It was intermittent rain and light rain during practice. So it wasn't a situation where um, – you know, it, the players would have had an entire practice session to adjust right. to the conditions. And then, you know, maybe you put more of it on the player than the conditions. Um, but, yeah, it looked like, uh, again, you know, good decision-making, deliver the ball on time. If he doesn't slip, you know, the ball's right and is right there. And then and it's another situation of, you know, just complete the play. And Darnell Washington has been doing that so far this camp, and so I'm gonna, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt in that situation that he would have as well. Um, but he slipped, and you know that kind of um, sabotaged that. Uh, but you know, flipping it over on the other side, uh, we saw some good things um, by the defense. And again, there were a lot of guys not practicing yesterday, or Sunday, not practicing right? Sunday. They all there was no good practice. Yeah, I know. Um, but you saw some things, you know, from some guys um, a little bit down on the depth chart in the secondary, you know, making some plays. You know, Luke Barku, the corner, um, he had uh, a nice play, maybe should have intercepted uh, a pass from Trubisky that would have ended the drill. Got his hands on it, though, and, you know, looking for that. Uh, I, I, excuse me, Elijah Riley. Uh, again, had his hands on a ball in the end zone, um, didn't make, the, didn't complete the play. But again, you're seeing uh, defensive backs uh, in position, good coverage, um, you know, doing all the things you're looking for them to do in in these kinds of situations. And you you want to clean it up and complete the plays, but at least it looks like anyway, uh, beyond the names that we've all uh, come to know and root for or, you know, recognize or however you want to describe it. You know, there's some pretty good players too. So uh, cut down day for on August 29th when the Steelers get down to 53 players, you know, these guys are going to make uh, that cut in the secondary more difficult, and that's the kind of thing you want anyway. I think there's going to be a little extra pep in the players' step today as they get out on the practice field knowing that they actually have a game at the end of the week. They can actually start hitting some different colored laundry. Yeah, and um, you know, looked I looked at the forecast um, today and tomorrow are both clear. Um, the the temperature is going to be high seventies or low eighties. You know, should be pleasant out there, which will uh, annoy at least one person <laughs> out there on the field. Uh, but you know, hopefully, you can you know get some things done that you know final preparations for this preseason opener, and um, I, I'm I'm ready. I don't know how ready the players are, but I'm ready to see some different color laundry on the other side of the ball. Yeah, yeah no question. It's time. Uh, training camp has gone on long enough. We need to see an actual game being played. That'll do it for us today on the training camp report. We'll be back again tomorrow at 8 a.m. recapping today's practice, which starts at 1.55 p.m. on Chuck Knoll Field. In the locker room takes over next. Wolf and Starks have you for the next few hours right here on Steelers Nation Radio.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 